everybody, and welcome, welcome to the Chiluminati Podcast, episode 61. As always, I am one of your hosts, Mike Martin, joined by my two co-hosts, Jesse Cox and Alex Faciane. Hello, boys. What is up? What is up? I don't know, man. What's good? A lot. A lot is up. A lot's good. A lot is up. I feel like the past week, like in the paranormal world, shit's popping off again. What do you mean? Uh, it has been like seven mean? weeks in a row where there's been like one article that comes out that's like disclosure. Yeah, yeah. It, it really just they're just like tinkling and uh, uh, very gently sprinkling into our faces. Uh, it doesn't tinkling. seem like anything weird to me. What are you talking about? <laughs> what do you mean? They, they they had the article had to like be, be retracted because they yeah. said Harry Reid said one thing, but he didn't say another. So On top it doesn't of that, seem like real a bunch of papers came out. Did you listen to the podcast, the JRE podcast with uh, George Knapp? Nope. And it was great. I don't I don't really listen to JRE at all, but I listened to his alien episodes because those are the better ones. And George Knapp is fascinating to just listen to talk anyway. Great, great, uh, great, great one. Um, but there's all kinds of new papers that have just been released as well, including the uh, ATIP. But obviously, the official acknowledgement that, yes, they still actually do have a UFO program going on, even though they've been denying it for the past two years. Yes, that's still going on. On top of that, in some of the papers, they is even, uh, they're doing like implant studies, like biomechanical things that are pulled out of others that they're studying and trying to figure out what the hell they are. So it's just stuff, more stuff that's being put out there. It's like, yes, okay, yes, you got us. These are real. We're, we're studying it. We don't know what it is, but we're studying it. This, this is... <laughs> We're, it's getting there. It's Still getting there big time. This is anything. <laughs> Listen, if I was Still to take, like, it's anything. I, my fantasy nerd would love to the, the the whole government to have treaties with the aliens to be true. The realist in me says the government knows as little as we do. Like they're chasing these things and they might know a little more because they have a little bit more like direct footage of them on like their airplanes or whatever. But my my, my guess is they genuinely just don't know. They don't don't know what the hell they are. And what the hell they've been doing and why they keep popping up. I believe that more likely than anything. If I believed any of these things, I would believe that they had no clue rather than like, it's a grand conspiracy. <laughs> right, right. We're more likely to be. I, I, it was uh, one of the things that uh, we've talked about before. What if we're just like a pl- like uh, an agricultural planet? George Knapp said, like, what if we're just being bred to be like, like our whole planet is just up. like, like a big ass cow. Yeah. It's like their planet. And we're just like their cows that they just it's, kind of, it's like a meta level of slurping that we weren't even <laughs> ready for. Don't that's Oh boy. You know, I'm just going to hand that to you. Cause that was incredible. There's some exciting new merch development. It's been a while since we've had new merch. Yeah. This is the good stuff. Now Guys, we're really on it. Listen, we know, you know, us, right you know us we like we like to give you guys what you want in exchange for money you know what i mean and we got short pins it's the sound that it makes when you scoop out a cow's butt when you're an alien explain that to your parents when you buy it let them know let them know that that we thank them in advance for letting uh for letting them for letting you use their credit cards and if they <laughs> still have any, this, if, yeah, our, listens our, to this. I can tell you, but the majority of our listeners are 27 to 34. No, those people don't. I'm not thanking them. That's you know, everybody buys stuff every day. I'm not trying to thank everybody. I'm just saying the kids who we can get at, you know, <laughs> what really uh, Hollywood what? thinking here? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And and if you have any goodwill with your parents left over, uh, head on over to patreon.com slash pod where you can support us every month. Keep this the lights on here at Chiluminati HQ. Not only. Do you get these fine episodes each and every week now? Not only do we have staff 
researchers. Not only do we have merch for you guys all the time, but also even after this episode, every episode that we ever do, you get 15 more minutes of episode right after. More Chaluminati right now. Patreon.com slash Chaluminati pod. And one last uh, Patreon announcement. We're also going to be adding an additional benefit of a $20 tier. Every month, you're going to get a piece of original digital art poster themed around one of the topics we did starting in August. And I'll let you know right now, the poster is designed around Roswell. With the, nice. uh, the three of us there. It's a uh, $20 the bean tier. Boy. Bean Boy. Bean the Bean Boy's boy. coming. Bean the Bean boy. Boy's coming, but we got to break his Bean story. Boy's coming in one of the, uh, in one of the posters. Somebody's so that's got to see the Bean up. Boy. Yep. We, need that, we need that story. Yep, yep. I, I, I'm, the Bean Boy's slowly spreading. He's uh, working his way onto the internet. We ever need that so as merch. Slowly. We need that as a t-shirt. We got new t-shirts I on the way as well. We can't really, I don't want to spoil what those are yet because they're still in the works, but that's on the way. Don't you freaking worry. I'd it's support great. that over slorp. Slorp Yo, pins are great. Go get a slorp, slorp pin. It's, it's, it's wiping across the world. You know what I mean? But it's even, a phenomenon. And if an alien tries to abduct you, they'll see the pin and go, this one's already been slorped. And they'll put you back and it'll be I, fine. Maybe they'll just yeah. check your butt first before. Maybe. It's, it's possible. It, it's a metaphor. Uh, it's, <laughs> you know, it's, it's. Say, <laughs> hey, scooping your butt. It's a metaphor. <laughs> There's a lot going on with the Schlort pin, and it, you know it works on a lot of different levels. And really I think there that's are two the colors. Thing. Yeah. Do you like pink your Schlort pin green or in like a? Uh, is it pink or purple? I can't remember it's, which. It's green and pink. Yeah. Well, if like you a like red pink, like a reddish green, pink. Yeah. yeah. I just and got mine today. Pink. They look freaking great. You should. I don't know if they sent you Jesse's as well. I think I told them to send them Jesse's to yours with yours. Oh, now I got. Like, oh, now I got. Now well, I got to well, hang out well. with Jesse. Yeah. Oh, we got to hang I'll out. I'll never see that pin. <laughs> it's lost to me forever. <laughs> You're going to have to slurp it off my butt. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, go get those pins. Go check out the tier 20. You're going to have a sweet poster art every month. Um, and we're going to be uh, the, 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 the artists. We're going to be a sourcing from the community. Actually, everybody who's we're going to be commissioning people from the community to help design some stuff. So it's some sweet, sweet stuff. Oh, I think that's it for shilling, right? I think we can dive Love into it. this episode. This is it, boys. The finale of the Roswell Incident Trilogy. <laughs> um, a big thank you to Deanna, the, the assistant researcher who helped uh, me out on this one. Uh, and a big happy birthday as well. Happy, happy birthday, birthday, Deanna. Deanna. Uh, couldn't have done this without you. Today, we actually get to dive into what I was telling you prior. We finally get to talk a little bit about the fabled MJ-12, the Majestic 12, who they are, if they're real. Um, now, there's a lot of stories, very fantastical stories about who the Majestic 12 are, but we're going to stick to what we know to be fact, uh, like literal hard physical proof of whether or not they exist, um, because going into anything other than that just leads into, I mean, we already are kind of veering into it. Ha- did it happen? Did it not? Majestic 12 is even more gray than than a lot of the Roswell stuff. Grays? So, is that what you said? Okay. It's even more grays, 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 potential future humans traveling through space with gravitational engines, propulsion systems. But that's a conversation for another time. On top of that, we're going to talk about the big boom of UFO sightings that really happened throughout the 50s and 60s before it kind of slowed. I don't want to say slowed down, but um, became a little bit less of a popular topic along the way. And that's it. We're going to leave it there. Obviously, with the theories, we're going to talk all about the theories. Don't worry. So with that said. Let's talk about the Majestic 12. Do you know much about the Majestic 12, Alex or Jesse? I mean, I know roughly what they are. I've never MJ, like gone. I've never the crossed MJ the 12. line into like, you know, true believer status. 
on this, but yeah. I, I know that the Majestic 12 is like, when you say those words, you're like signaling to another fellow conspiracy theorist that you are drinking the the, the big juice. It's like the yeah. first, yeah, it's like the, the next deepest tier within Roswell, because if you believe the Majestic 12 exists or the Magic 12 or the MJ 12, you also have to then believe it's because of Roswell that they exist. It was Roswell, the Roswell event that sparked the creation of the super secret group of a mix of big, big wigs within, within the government. Anybody from military to scientific to all kinds of intelligence fields filled out these, tw- these 12 seats within like the super Iron special Man, council. Yeah. It's like the Iron Man of the Roswell cinematic universe. You know yeah, what I mean? It's like, yeah. It's like the government Avengers, which yeah. is never a good time. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but really that's what they, they were just, they were plucked from the CIA, NSA, FBI, defense intelligence, agency, anything you name that could be a powerful, influential wing of the government. That's where these people ended up coming from. And you might wonder, well, where the hell did this, where did the MJ 12 come from? And that's where this is why the MJ-12 are even questionably real. They only come from one piece of physical evidence. Only a single piece of evidence exists to help to even suggest their existence. And that was because something emerged in December of 1984. A plain white envelope bearing zero return address, only an Albuquerque, New Mexico postmark, arrived at the home of an L.A. movie producer by the name of Jamie Chandria. Chandria and Michelle now Obama was, got one. And and Hillary Michelle. got one. <laughs> well, somebody else did get one later on a few years later. Um, however, it's important to note that this particular director, if you don't know who they are, they were well known at this time. This is the 80s to have been working with a UFO investigator, Bill Moore. So he was already within the UFO world, which already throws a layer of doubt onto whether this stuff is real. So he gets this envelope and within it contains the following. A can of black and white 35 millimeter film, which, when developed, revealed eight pages of purported briefing paper for President-elect then Dwight Eisenhower, dated the 18th of November, 1952. It described the discovery, recovery, and preliminary analysis of what remained from the crash in Corona, New Mexico. This obviously being the crash that we just covered. Right. More Chandria and along, uh, alongside Stanton Friedman. Now, Friedman is one of the authors of the one of the books that we ended up using as a source for these episodes. Then spent two years trying to figure out if these documents were real, if there was any validity to them, or if they were just a giant like art project that somebody started to or or was doing, or something to just try and fool others. Because that's another thing within this world is like a lot of people are constantly trying to pull one up on on other people. However, over after those two years, they could not conclusively determine if it was a hoax or if it was real. Then another copy of the document ended up emerging. It was sent to an English UFO writer by the name of Timothy Good, who was at the time preparing a book about governmental involvement with UFOs, though his copy came a few years later in March of 1987. He included it with the book Above Top Secret, which was published in England in May of that year. That, Moore and Chandria released a censored version of the document in question. That, to me, is the two facets of ufology. Yep. The one where they got the exact same document and they spent two years researching it. And they're like, well, we don't know what to do with this. We can't <laughs> yep. prove it's real. And then the other guy's like, I'm putting it in my book. It's a book. Yeah. <laughs> He's a UFO yep. researcher. Yeah. 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 And the other one's a freaking movie director. 
But even then, whatever they, the, the versions they released were both redacted versions in the first place. Anyway, do we count as like UFO researchers? Now, God, I don't know. Like, that would be the greatest honor. If if there's somebody out there who can dub us official UFO researchers, I don't I'm think that's s- how it works. Although I, like at least, I think it does. I think you can just say it and you are. Well, MUFON that, is fucked. Yeah. They're gone, dude. Did you hear about the tragedy at MUFON? No. no. Oh, the CEO got pulled for be- basically being a pedo. Oh, soliciting, soliciting sex from a 13-year-old. God damn it. So that MUFON is going to go. They need to go. They need to just fucking disappear. Bye. I can't. Um, I can't. <laughs> There's an opening for legit UFO in, uh, people out there now, so maybe the Chiluminati can fill it in. I the still question Deanna whether legit UFO people is a real thing, but okay. I Sorry, feel like Deanna I, I, counts as a UFO researcher at this point. Deanna, for sure. at the very least, should count. Yeah, yeah. I'm with it. She and we by proxy, sort of. By proxy? No. By pro- nothing listen, by proxy. I did listen, my tongue like slipped for no reason. It was just like eh. It was like don't talk back. It's like a stone start, skipping across the water. I just start scatting instead of doing the podcast. Okay. Moving on. <laughs> Later on. Scat, man. Of in nineteen still saying in nineteen eighty seven. Uh, this is the reason MUFON came into my head. Uh, in 1987, MUFON uh, had a symposium at the American University in Washington, D.C. Moore and Shandria released the full document, though the lack of verification made it the subject of tons of rumors, denials, and accusations at the symposium. But they released it at least in 1987. The immediate reaction to the Eisenhower briefing was that it was a hoax, citing discrepancies in the form of the document, typeface, official jargon, and so on. So basically, people kind of compared this document to other official documents that had been easily accessible at the time, and nothing really was matching up. So what you're saying is the guys who spent two years researching (laughs) and found nothing (laughs) and weren't UFO researchers were, in fact, smarter than the UFO researcher who threw in his book. I don't want to say smarter. If I may retort... They did that all on purpose, Jesse, so that anybody who may have come across the document could then they could cast doubt on it and disregard it and then therefore hide their existence from the public. It makes sense. It makes sense. Conspiracy theories are the realm of stupidity. (laughs) We could all be dreaming right now, Jesse. This is why if you dabble in conspiracy long enough, you become a full fledged idiot. This, this is could be so d- a dream that we're living in now. You know what I mean? Don't like, you wake get up. it? Just because you, you have old. evidence doesn't mean it's that's nonsense. It's maybe always- you went to bed in 1983 and you're just still sleeping, and this is just one. And this is just one. Every one time night. you go to sleep in your Reality's real life, you live guys. an entire Reality's fake subjective. dream is totally subjective. It's doesn't true. matter. Doesn't matter. You don't get okay. it, man. Of course, <laughs> this could be a dream, but I'm still living it. I, you know what? I'm with you on that one. So like if if we so like if we came to the realization going back to aliens that we were just nothing, we were like a freaking agricultural farm people. Whatever, man. Just let me play my video games and like I've do my podcast. I've said for years I would be Cypher in the Matrix. <laughs> you just like people are just like, wouldn't you want to wake up? Like, what the hell would I care? I'll eventually no, be dead, I, I, so I'd rather have like I'd rather eat fake mind steak and have my like brain a fun is telling life. me it's delicious steak. If you're gonna use like Why Uber Eats, if you're gonna use Uber Eats, you might as well go in the fucking Matrix. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, you've already broken down society in every way. Like, you've reduced your life to NPC from Death Stranding. So you might as well just go in the fucking Matrix. Yeah, what the hell do I care? I'm not gonna like. Oh no, we got the fight against the robots. So. Just, 
Keanu Reeves can become Jesus. I could I vaporize all of them. Yeah. <laughs> vaporize every last one. <laughs> and then they'd be well, like, "Damn you, Jesse." And I'd be like, sorry, Trinity. I love steak. Click. Is it with you? Is it with you that we have the debate about what switch actually sounds like? No. What? Where you're like, she's a she's like oh, a cowboy. Yes. yes, yes. <laughs> she if you watch that movie, every line she says, I don't know what her accent is, but she but she goes, No. Damn she's, you cipher. <laughs> she's like Eastern European or something. Yeah, this get away from them control cipher can't believe you sold me out for a steak cipher <laughs> some bitch i uh, would have i would have sold them all out for that sweet, like the people sweet who came across the ufo in episode two damn aliens uh, <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about the document itself uh what it contained and what the discrepancies may or may not have been Regarding the form specifically, in a letter to private UFO enthusiast Lee Graham, a former CIA official by the name of Richard Bissell, the head of the U2 and Bay of Pigs program. That's right. Before, ah, oh God, there's a U2 joke there. And then I immediately forgot the lead singer's name. Oh, Bono? So it's gone. Before Bono? Yeah, before Bono. Bono. It would have been this edge, guy. And Which the edge. Right, it was on the else. edge of your tongue. Yeah, the edge God damn of it. my tongue. <laughs> Freaking Zoom lag got my my thunder stolen <laughs> the comedic timings off it's it fucks you up dude all right we can move on uh we, we gotta we gotta deal with zoom in these covid like times it's true CIA official richard bissell at the time again the head of the of the u2 and b uh bay of pigs operations said quote the document certainly looks authentic on the basis of the material you've sent me i personally have little doubt that it is authentic similar testimony was given to friedman from truman administrative assistant david stowe and from one-time National Security Council planning board member Robert R. Bowie. So on top of the idea that there are people like there's discrepancies, doesn't match a lot of the other legal stuff, there are people who have been within the government, higher-ups and whatnot, people who are heads of actual programs that were also the center of conspiracies until they were released, uh, realized to be true, that they, they said it's, this looks authentic to them, the paper. However, let's, look, let's talk a little bit about the writing style of the document. The material was allegedly written by Admiral Roscoe Hillencotter, who was identified on the second page of the briefing. Though that does not necessarily mean that he wrote the briefing and it's entirely, he could have roughed out an outline, had another staffer obviously kind of put it together and, and, and uh, basically have an intern do the work, the, the hard work for them. Um, and, 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 and funnily enough, as uh, our Deanna does make note, kind of like how the relationship between a researcher and a presenter can work sometime. You love to see it. You do love to see it. Uh, the briefing was given to linguistics expert Dr. Roger Westcott of Drew University in New Jersey. Shout out Drew University. My brother went there and graduated from there with a drama degree. I don't know if that really matters. I knew a man named Drew. I've known a couple same people had a drama Drew. degree and yeah. went to university. Well, that's true. I don't know about Drew University. A yep. university. And if he was there, wouldn't it have been Drew University? mind blown dude i can't handle these truths that you're dropping on that's why i'm eating the steak and you guys are eating that slop with the mouse or whatever the hell his name is and he's like it's all chicken he's like you want to buy some dead steaks (laughs) (laughs) so it was brought to this guy because what he was able to do with this was actually compare this note to 20 other examples of hill and cotter's notes and memos from the past so he, he looked at the note that was supposedly written by them and then took 20 other examples and compared them. His end 
feeling about the whole thing was, quote, in my opinion, there is no compelling reason to regard any of these communications as fraudulent or to believe that any of them were written by anyone other than Hill and Cotter himself. This statement holds for the controversial presidential briefing memorandum of November 18th, 1952, as well as for the letters, both official and personal, end quote. Now, again, obviously doesn't mean that he did it, but another another person who looked at it did come forward, obviously, and who compared it said it looks real enough to him. I don't that's, know, see, man. That's good enough. I mean, it's for me. Like, that's the thing, right? It's like, it doesn't match like other government official things, but There's it also... There's so many limbs you guys are out on right now. You got me on the right. dude. You got us. see where this is me. going. I'm just saying, well, it's not like these are... Okay, at least these are, the people who are com- who are reading them are not nobodies. Like heads of CIA programs. Right. But uh-huh. they could also just be saying it's so to so misinformation. Who knows? That's like, a real, asked, that's like a real problem, actually actually like, correct yes like people who are like spies and stuff like that like half of their job is just being like are you lying to me like it sucks yeah so would you like to know gentlemen who is part of the mj12 100 dollars. i mean 100 yes 100 dollars. 100 dollars at patreon.com slash illuminati pot there is no hundred dollar tier but hey man if, if, you, if you, you give us 100 dollars, we'll give you the list <laughs> We'll say <laughs> we'll, just, we'll say you're on the majestic twelve. <laughs> <laughs> you're in the majestic baker's dozen. Yeah. First is Rear Admiral Roscoe H. Hillencotter. No surprise there. First director of the uh, director of the uh, CIA. Second, Doctor Vanvar Bush, chairman of the Joint Research and Development Board. Third, James V. Forstall, first Secretary of Defense. General Nathan F. Twinning, commander of the United States of America Air Force Air Material Command of Wright Field. And there was General Hoyt Vanderberg, chief of the air staff. Dr. Detlev Bronk, chairman of the National Research Council. Dr. Jerome Hunsake, chairman of the National Advisory Committee for Aeronautics. Sidney Sowers, first executive secretary of the National Security Council. Gordon Gray, Assistant Secretary of the Army. Donald Menzel, Chairman, Department of Astronomy. Lloyd V. Berkner, Executive Secur- uh, Security of Research and Development Board. Major General Robert M. Montague, Commanding Officer of the area that included the White Sands Proving Grounds, which is an area that UFOs popped over quite often. And the outlier among the list of America's top military, intelligence, and scientific communities is Donald Menzel who was best known for three books in which he ridiculed UFOs and those who took them seriously. The poster boy for anti-UFO movement, but research by Friedman, though papers housed at Harvard revealed Menzel's involvement in high-level CIA and national security agency operations for many years, including work in the code-breaking field. So he's an agent. He is a, an agent okay, of a sort okay, okay. for the CIA, but not with an official title. I thought he's you were saying he was, he was not a government employee, and I was like, what? Well, he wasn't officially. He was in a, just kind of a, he's worked with them though. He's so he's not actually a government agent. He doesn't right, have a badge. Correct. Correct. Okay. That's why he's kind of the, the stickler. He's the one that's kind of outlier uh, amongst those. And that's your Majestic 12. That's them. They're very exciting people. Um, beyond that, it just kind of talks a little bit about the document. And basically what the document boils down to, we're not going to really go through it and break it down too much because we a lot there. Um, but basically, it just kind of describes the idea that what we talked about in episode two, there were bodies, the crash wreckage, and they were able to recover actual wreckage. 
um, more like uh, talking about how they're going to just kind of cover up what what's been happening. There's actually this? This, this is supposedly Eisenhower's briefing. This, this is, is the MJ12 document written by Eisenhower. By, no, no, written by uh, the head of MJ12. The what's his name? Uh, Hill and Cotter. Hill and Cotter. Okay. Hill and Cotter. Written for, for Eisenhower. Eisenhower upon Correct. his entry into the White House. Correct. All about the the crash and all that other stuff. It talks about the bodies that were laying out. They the, in the document it actually says that the bodies were actually laying out in the outside for a week. They weren't out there for just a night or two, like the uh, the stories that we we got kind of say. Um, talking about that, how they desperately tried to reverse engineer the wreckage and 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 try to dissect the bodies, that kind of stuff. The stuff that we kind of you know touched on a little bit, and that's really all it boils down to. Um, all, other than that, they just talk about at the end of the of the document, they just talk about how after the that event, UFO activity ramped up, and it's been at a higher at a higher level of activity. Uh, than it ever has been before. And that's what the MJ-12 in the document is. That's the literal only physical evidence that we have. They might even exist if you even buy that it's not a hoax. There's not any mention of the phrase Majestic 12 anywhere else? Nowhere else. That's it. That's it. That's that's all we have. Damn. And obviously, you've gone. people have gone wild. There's been documents uh, out there that people claim are Majestic 12 documents, but there's been no way to prove it. Um Sometimes there's like little hidden away MJ-12 markers on, on some papers that people say they find. It's none of it is, is, is verifiable is the problem. And so you can't, you can't take any of it without a, gra- a giant grain of salt. I'm just imagining 12 of the cigarette smoking man all just like sitting around a table. Right, me too. Like looking at each other and like not really saying anything. Yep. Very, uh, very uh, control-esque. Avon Galleon, if you've ever watched that anime. Yes, uh, yes. The circle of, of, of like higher ups. The big ass table. Yeah. Yeah. It's that, it's that kind of feeling. It's, it's very, very bizarre. Um, but supposedly they were formed in 1947 after Roswell and the crash. So we're going to talk a little bit now about some of the incidents that followed, uh, some of the UFO sightings that happened. We're not going to go into a huge amount of detail because we just kind of want to get through them. And then we're going to wrap up with the theories, everything from the crazy uh, that they actually were aliens all the way to Project Mogul, which people keep yelling about like they don't they, if you don't know what project mogul is basically it's it the, the, the it's the excuse that it was still a balloon um but the but the balloon was uh back then um used as a spying balloon they had microphones attached I to it i remember this yes yeah 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 and that's the official i think the official excuse now but it also wouldn't explain a second crash and it wouldn't explain the giant gouge in the earth that was on the ranch, I would think. But the idea is that that explains why they were so big like, and why there was so much it. wreckage and they were so, yeah, exactly. So antsy about it, which again, some it kind of black sense. op or something, right? It's like yeah, a spine they were, te- they were testing it. They weren't using it like officially yet. They were still there. So they were kind of testing it on us, on their own people to see if how, how it would work and all that other nonsense. There's also the, the theory that it was a, a spy, a Russian, a Russian version of that balloon. Um, but there's less evidence of that. And there'd be, it's more believable that it's us testing things. As in, we because, found a Russian spy balloon on our yeah, soil. Like the Russian spy balloon got like something happened to it and it got knocked out of the sky. And so we're trying to hide the fact that Russians got that far in with their, with their uh, spying devices, you know, again, a lot of that can be believed, especially when you learn that there's an area, I guess, within the atmosphere, just kind of doing my research on that. There's an, what they were trying to do was get the balloon into a very specific point within the atmosphere where there's like a lot less interference and there's easier to hear and the sound carries easier up there for one reason or another. So they can hear planes coming from way further away than they would if they were lower or higher within the atmosphere. 
something along those lines. It, okay. The one thing that always bugged me about the the Russian angle mm-hmm. is that when you think about the reaction of Russia to the U two spy plane being shot down, right? In in Russia, they were like. We shot it down. We got your people, America. Yeah, like, suck we, our dicks, bro. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like even though the idea that's being presented is always, well, Americans would freak out if they knew. I feel like if the government was like, send your best, Russia, we'll shoot it down every time. I feel like wouldn't that be the thing that they would say if that's exactly yeah. what Russia what's did? The, when they- what's the thing called, though, when you're a two spies and you like it's like called like mental psyops or you 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 give them you give them i forget what the what the phrase is but the phrase is like you don't directly you don't like directly call out another spy but you like do shit to like fuck with them Uh, yeah i i get that but it seems to me that it's strange that there's two totally opposite reactions uh, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. It seems why, weird. Why, it seems yeah. weird that we wouldn't be big dick in it. You know what I mean? I get it. <laughs> yeah, because I we guess, do it yeah. for everything else. But we, we might have done it everything in secret. else. You know what I mean? We might have done it like in secret. We might have like, you know, some dude in Russia, like maybe like went to his bedroom and found like a little Uncle Sam figurine standing on the desk in his in his house. And he's like, and that's sure, like all that happened, you know, for everything else during that period. There's so much big dicking going around. That's why it's the Cold War. Right. Yeah. It was just everyone was like, what are you going to do, Russia? Come on. That's the whole <laughs> point. It's very strange. Although, with that said, there's been plenty of, you know, things that have come out where it's like, oh, yeah, we were about six minutes away from blowing up the earth. Like that kind of stuff. So who well, knows? I mean, there was that event that happened in, during that time, too, where there was all because we have, uh, again, this is something I only recently learned about. But there's the we have we have missile sites all along the border of Canada, like all our nuclear missiles and in this Cold War time. There's a like you can follow this, the paper trails are there. They're not hiding it at all. But there was a UFO incident where a UFO went over all of the missile sites and even fucked with some of them, like got into the computers and like there's like a flashing of lights and all their computer systems went nuts for a few seconds and then it moved on and it would do that a bunch. And it also happened in Russia, which you can also were able to get like the the papers for. And they had UFOs where they said the the, the ship. Looked like it it was a solid ship and then it broke apart into a bunch of little ships and did a bunch of things and it was fucking with their launch codes and then it put itself back together and then fucking took off and it sure. went to all their nuclear sites. Uh, it makes one wonder, you know, even though I don't believe it, it's a fun theory. The idea that, well, we haven't actually set off a nuke on someone in since 1945 mind you we've set off plenty of nukes like in the ocean and tested them yeah like the idea that we haven't killed anyone with it maybe the aliens are telling us not to it's a fun theory yeah it's just like them showing up and just being like we can do whatever the fuck we want to your most powerful weapon yeah mind Mm -hmm. you we create even better more deadly versions of them so the aliens really aren't doing their job (laughs) or whatever (laughs) no there's probably like don't kill you you're our food source Please don't kill each other. Yeah, just make um, make weapons that are like eighteen thousand times more powerful than that first bomb, though, and it'll be fine. Yeah, yeah, go for it. Make nitrogen bombs fine. It's all good. Just don't just don't use them. It's all good. Right, don't right, worry right, about right, right. it. All right, so let's move on a little bit to some. Uh, uh, what we're gonna um, there's a bunch of other incidents that happen that we could talk, like really dive into, but I just want to stick to um, UFO incidents that were specifically recorded during space travel and spacecraft that happened. 50s, 60s, or 60s rather and up that kind of like really took off uh, starting with 
um, May 16th in 1963. Uh, the crew was a man by the name of Cooper for the Mercury. Uh, and this was over Hawaii. He ended up picking up voices on a special frequency, speaking in a language later examined on tape and found to belong to no known Earth language. Passing over Perth, Australia, they saw large UFOs also observed by checking station uh, on Earth. So being seen by two different angles and two different pe uh, people. Um, little, that's that. Gemini 4, June 3rd, 1964, uh, McDivitt and White over Hawaii almost collided with a silver cylinder, oval with luminous trails, and they actually photographed it. You can go check this out as well. December 4th, 1965, Gemini 7, Borman and Lowell, Lowell with a crew, and they took pictures of enormous UFOs with propulsion systems following the capsule they were in. Gemini 9, June 3rd, 1966. Stafford and Cernan were the crew. The capsule, the capsule accompanied from takeoff, uh, where, where the capsule took off and was accompanied by many UFOs seen by the ground station of radar observation. Later, a huge object on not a, a planet or planetoid was observed. Hmm. Gemini 11, uh, Gemini 11, September 12th, 1966. Conrad and Gordon were the crew and long objects sighted over Madagascar were seen. NASA said it was Soviet Proton 3, but later was 350 miles away at the time of sighting. So they claimed it was a Soviet Proton 3, but it was determined that that was not true. Apollo that is 8. crazy. I know. It's nuts. Apollo 8, 21st of December, 1968. Borman, Lovell, and Anders. They sighted a disc-shaped UFOs as, capsules, as the capsule circled the moon. They reported, quote, we have been informed that Santa Claus does exist, end quote. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they also picked up unidentifiable language on a space frequency radio. What? Is there mm -hmm. audio of that? I don't know. I didn't see any. Shouldn't <laughs> just, there be? Is there any more description I, I of imagine. that? Again, that's, so if you want to uh, go deeper, it's Apollo 8. Apollo 8? Apollo 8, December Alien 1st, 1968. Unidentified language on space frequency radio. While you're looking uh, that up, Apollo 10, from the 8th to the 26th of May, 1969, the crew were Stafford, Young, and Cernan. They all sighted two UFOs following the capsule during orbit of the moon and their homeward flight. So a lot of just, so far, it's just a lot of them, like, once we get out there and we're, like, exploring, just a lot of them tailing us, following us, almost just kind of watching what we do. Hmm. Apollo 12, November 14th, 1969, uh, Conrad, Gordon, and Bean this time around, and the observatories on Earth had observed the capsule being accompanied by two brilliantly light uh, lit UFOs near the moon. Then, when near Earth before landing, a large UFO with red lights was seen. Apollo 17, December 7th through the 19th of 1972, Cernan, Evans, and Schmidt, they saw UFOs near Earth close to the moon and in between on their journeys. And that's the official, that's it for the official uh, sightings between the, the sixties and the early seventies. I must not be keyed in on the conspiracy side of Google. Cause I typed in everything for Apollo eight and nothing was even related <laughs> to alien voices. It's literally like the NASA page for Apollo 8, the Airspace Magazine page for Apollo 8, the Wiki for Apollo 8, Amazon, like, Did you buy put the, the quote, story We have been informed 8. that Santa Claus does exist. Did that bring anything up? 
Apollo 10 alien music. The, the Apollo 8 mission had a Christmas Eve message that you can listen to, but I don't think it has the alien language on it. Okay. Uh, but I don't, we, I don't, I just don't, I don't think there's a recording of it. Yeah, probably. I would assume not. Otherwise it'd be everywhere. Houston, Apollo 8, please be informed. There is a Santa Claus. Yeah, that's. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's the quote. Um, yeah, I, I, I see that it's, I see that it's here, but I don't see any sort of like record of it. I have basically what you have. Yep. That's it. Yeah. I don't know, man. It's not even though I don't, even even without it, though, there's still so much, so much going on. Though. OK, so apparently in Apollo 8, uh, the level said, please be informed there is a Santa Claus, according to the transcript. And the conspiracy is that I guess he already had talked with ground uh, uh, through Christmas Eve. And people are like, why do you say that? What prompted him to say that? What was that a code? And everyone's like, I think he was just saying like, there's a Merry Santa because it's Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> and he was trying to like do a thing for kids. I yeah, think just, like people were all watching it, but I, I, I only see that there was this, this quote. Record. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't, every, I can't, I'm, I can't find anything. And then a lot of interference. And apparently, like, even after that Christmas message, there was, like, a thing where they, like, left the mic on a little longer and there's a transcript of it. But it's not anything weird. There's no, like, recordings of space. Right. Exactly. Damn. And it's from it is from this point on, however, uh, that the government does officially start investigating UFOs heavily um, from the crash of 1947. It's when the first uh, study started happening. And from that point on, there's going to be a history of the government starting and closing UFO UFO programs only to reopen a new one under a different name, under a different uh, person. And, you know, Project Blue Book, A-Tip, all that other stuff. Sure. Um, and just as, this is kind of where it all starts. So that leaves us with, well, then what the hell was the Roswell crash? What are the theories out there that uh, the Roswell crash were? And we're going to talk about those right now, and that will put a bow on Roswell. So first is the idea of the cover-up. Was not, in my opinion, the it wasn't a weather balloon. Even if it was a testing, like, spy balloon that we were working on, there's just no way. The reaction was, is too much. It's too much. Like, yep, regardless exactly. of what you say, there's no way they flew a weather balloon to Washington, D.C. Exactly. So what do we have? Well, at this point in time, all classified documents, as we all know, are declassified within 20, 30, or 40 years, thanks to, um, you know, the way our government now works. Therefore, any documents relating to New Mexico crashes, if they existed at all, would now be fully available. Unfortunately, there's really nothing about the, the Roswell crash that we don't already have in our hands. Sure. Um, there's no general requirement for automatic declassification of all documents. For an example, in 1990, the Truman Library reviewed half of its files of the CIA's Psychological Strategy Board. Half of the material could not be declassified for national security reasons, even though all of it uh, dated pre-1953, therefore putting it within the range that it should be automatically classified. It would be impossible to keep crashes a secret, though, as a lot of people would have uh, been kind of knowing bits and pieces of the story. This is another reason people don't really believe that um, it was really aliens. Too many people, have you heard the theory... You know, the, the conspiracy theory where it doesn't really work if hundreds of people know, because at that point, somebody's going to leak it to somebody. 
right sure. therefore it would just fall apart i forget the name of that theory there's like a, there's a name for that specifically it's just, i mean it sounds like common sense to me right like, yeah right it, it also makes a lot of common sense um therefore if there were so many hundreds of people involved with these crash cover-ups why did it never ever leak and only we have these small tidbits uh of what was going on like people then are leaking like the mass singer you know they're gonna leak like an alien body <laughs> yeah yeah especially something uh, so world-changing yeah exactly yeah. Yeah, I mean it's it's easy to see like the, how did how did people keep that quiet? Obviously, the government was threatening people's lives to some degree, but even then, then there's a Freedom of Information Act that that has clearly made it possible for any citizens to get their hands on any document. The federal agencies have responded to uh, the federal agencies also have a requirement to respond to all requests. So, if any crash-related documents ever existed, would they not have already been dug into by the general public at this point, desperately trying to get their hands on them? I mean, yeah, it makes sense. Unless they so, destroyed them. Yeah. I mean, yeah, unless they destroyed them, fair enough. Yeah. And I mean, I still don't necessarily not believe they don't have some sort of wreckage of some sort. Again, though, I'd err on the I'd err on the side that they just don't know what the fuck it is. Right. And they don't really there's, there's no like they're not bringing it to, you know, Sergeant Gleeper in down in the in the tunnels where the MJ twelve deal with the gray, the gray higher ups. I mean, I don't know what it is either, but I don't think it's what they say it is. Right. So explanations. The first one we're going to talk about is the American test rocket explanation. Uh, loads of people have suggested that this was uh, that all that was found at the Foster Ranch was the remains of one of the captured German-built V2 unguided ballistic missiles known to have been test fired from the White Sands Proving Grounds, which is an area UFOs have been seen over a bunch, less than a hundred miles southwest of Corona, where the crash happened. The bodies that th- now this is the, the the second crash we're speaking of specifically. The bodies were those of Rius monkeys in advanced stages of decomposition for, from environmental exposure. So people, the bodies that these people, remember, 12 people kind of wandered in and all of them said there were bodies there. Their explanation is they were just like leftover corpses being observed out in decomposition as we do even nowadays. And they just use them as kind of like fodder for the, for the Why rocket, would they I be guess. there? They, they filled the rocket with them, I guess, just like a test rocket to put bodies in, maybe for the weight, weight purposes of testing how, how heavy they could keep the rocket without mm. putting live people in there and blowing them up. They could just use sand instead of monkeys. Surely. Sure. I, 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 I mean, they blasted monkeys to space. That's and true. Spoilers. They left them up there. The <laughs> monkeys didn't come back did. down. That's the dogs, true. The astronaut dogs, they didn't like land yeah, and look, get a parade. I've read, I've read Forrest Gump. Okay. I, I get it. <laughs> Forrest Gump well, came back down when he went to space. He did, but there was a monkey with him. The movie is different than the book. Well, there's a bunch of reasons that this doesn't really fully fit the puzzle piece anyway. <laughs> Monkeys were not. Um, for one, one of the people that we talked about heavily throughout the series, Jesse Marcel, who had uh, was uh, within the military, also had years of had years of experience in the Army uh, Air Force intelligence. He would have had a load of knowledge of different types of common and uncommon air and space devices. And you would think he would have recognized what was on the ground before him in this crash. Also, if it had been some sort of German test ballistic missile that they'd gotten their hands on, there would have also likely been some sort of parts, numbers, identification on the pieces of the wreckage. Something that would have made shown that it was manufactured somewhere. Well, there was. It was just written in like purple laser ink. Yeah. Yeah, it was written in red laser ink. Exactly. Uh, you know, it doesn't, it makes no sense. Uh, also, if you were to believe the uh, description of the bodies that we got from those who saw, said they saw them, they sound nothing like monkeys. 
the big heads, one like one crouching in the in the background, one trying to communicate tentacles in arms. Yeah. Like it doesn't make any goddamn sense. Um, so it doesn't fit that. And then obviously the last is that uh if this theory is true, why if it was like a simple missile crash, was it treated with such insane secrecy? Why did the military come out? Why were there life threats against everybody who fucking saw the thing? Why was it why was the newspaper the next morning immediately shouting about UFOs? Sell copies? You think so? You think do you buy that it was a rocket? A US rocket? I buy that the the government would cover that up more than a Russian something or other. It could like have been. The, the, I think the, so. Hmm. The, the failure thought, of a United States thing, they'd cover up more than like the successful shooting down of a Russian anything. I was under the understanding that Project Mogul was like, like testing gear to spy on Russians. No. Because I could totally see them like being like, nope, 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 nope. Like if it was just like Project Mogul is the official explanation now. Like that is the official one and the one that most people who don't believe it's anything other than something like earthly. That's what people pretty much accept at this point. I mean, I mean, like if they were just like, oh, it was a rocket that we were testing. Like, what is the downside of that? You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. I'm with you. I guess I mean, like the animal question, like the like ethics of like crashing a bunch of monkeys into the ground. But yeah. like, I don't feel like that's what the government was there to cover up. And why would you send the body of a rhesus so, monkey to Washington? Here's DC? exact. Here's a quick rundown. Project Mogul, Mogul was a top secret project by the U S army air forces this is just a Wikipedia. Everybody uh, involving microphones flown on high altitude balloons, whose primary purpose was long distance detection of sound waves generated by Soviet atomic bomb tests. The project was carried out from 1947 until early 1949. It was a classified portion of an unclassified project by New York University atmospheric researchers. The project was moderately successful, but was very expensive and was superseded by a network of seismic detectors and air sampling for fallout, which was cheaper, more reliable and easier to deploy. They literally just had like a big ass ear in the sky. Like, yeah, they were just listening. Yeah, that's hilarious. Uh, yeah, this is the basically um, they searched deep ch a sound channel in the oceans and theorized that a similar sound channel existed in the upper atmosphere, a certain height where the air pressure and temperature result in minimal speed of sound so that sound waves would propagate and stay in that channel due to refraction. Basically long distance listening. Love that. That's it. So that's what that's what people mostly buy is what that was now, because it fits a it fits the balloon theory, but the balloon was way bigger, had super secret gear on it. And uh, wouldn't no common person or even regular kind of military type would know what they're looking at. I still at. don't understand. Like, unless there's it was bits, like, there's still bits that don't make sense in the story. I'm there's just saying, like bits. in Project Mogul, like if that's what their official explanation is, like it wasn't like a guy in a basket that could like snipe people in Russia. You know what I mean? No, it wasn't no, like no, no, some no. crazy thing. Like us being like, we want to know when Russia sets off a nuke. That's not like, that's not like ex insanely classified sounding information to me i don't know like it doesn't well, seem I mean, like guess, it deserves that level of 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 discretion but the the concept if i understand this correctly is that we can just sit up in above the u.s and listen to russia yep listen for their sound specifically to them bomb. blowing up nukes though it's not like you can hear like putin taking a shit in his house like from a microphone over roswell new mexico 
Sure. I just wonder if, if maybe they were worried that Russia didn't have that technology. So them knowing it could exist would send them down the path of like, we have to work on it now. Yeah, well, I, I see guess. That, yeah. I guess it just doesn't seem I, I don't see the government being like, we got to hide this. <laughs> I do. Well, what if it was a <laughs> Japanese bomb carrying balloon? Oh, I heard about these. Yeah. Yeah. Well, from November 1944 all the way through April of 1945, the Japanese launched more than 9,000 crude gas-filled balloons, each carrying 50 to 75 pounds of incendiary or high-explosive bombs. As many as 1,000 of them may have ridden the prevailing winds all the way to North America. Damage from them was limited to a few small fires and the deaths of six people on an outing who came across one of them in the woods. Can you imagine? (laughs) I mean... (laughs) it would explain the fireball in the sky that came crashing down the night before it seems a little bit inland and it seems like a year or two too late right right (laughs) 47 we're talking about yeah well they this was 1944 to 1945 right and so when was the event happened in 40 yeah yeah so after the war was over just kind of drifted across yeah (laughs) and just been in the air for a while the balloons themselves were 33, 33 feet in diameter, made of laminated paper and rubberized silk, and carried a payload of more than 300 pounds, most of which was the mechanism that controlled the balloon's altitude as it drifted. From a secrecy perspective, this one kind of makes sense as the landings of these balloons would were kept secret to obscure any information of their effectiveness getting back to the Japanese. However, there is, of course, evidence that does not support this. <laughs> as Alex brought up the last launch of one of these balloons was in april of 1945 the odds of it still being in the air for over two years only to explode and leave debris all over the foster ranch is really goddamn low it's crazy it's like thousands (laughs) it's like a thousand miles inland moreover none of the materials match what they got what people got in the crash it doesn't make any sense and uh the balloons balloon crafts had not been a matter of national security at that point in time so why the fuck did the army freak out that's what I'm right. saying. Like, if it was a Japanese <laughs> weapon, they wouldn't be like, we got to hide this. I'm yep. just saying. It doesn't make any sense. And I still wonder about the the dingles and the doodads and the symbols, you know, like the things the people wrote down. <laughs> yeah. Hang out. It looks like emojis, right? Yeah, it doesn't it really look does. like they wrote down kanji or anything. It looks like emojis. And I don't know. That's just weird. That's that, one of the that's things. even more proof that aliens are future humans, dude. And if I was a Japanese like military person and i was sending my like secret balloon over the ocean i wouldn't use like a language that only we use on this earth like the like smoking gun of like kanji on a fucking military like secret craft you know what i mean uh yeah well that's why i don't believe it either do you know i'm gonna skip the weather balloon one do we really do we want to do we dive into the weather balloon theory is there anything in there about why anybody would give that much of a shit about a weather balloon well because aspects of what we were given as evidence obviously match parts of a balloon but the materials from the debris field showed properties unlike anything seen before uh the rancher said he had seen crashed weather balloons before other people in the military who claimed to have seen the crash would have recognized what a weather balloon looks like. Um, Brazel, for instance, would have had seen a bunch of weather balloons in his time in the military. It just doesn't make any sense. Is there any sort of security breach? Yeah. Security breach doesn't make sense. It's just data collection, right? It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Yeah. 
There's just so, we'll so many on. versions of like examples of crashed weather balloons yep. that for people to mistake one, it just doesn't make sense. It no. worked yeah. in the forties when you couldn't jump on the internet and find pictures real easy. And you didn't know the common person didn't know what it looked like. Swamp gas. Yeah. But even then yeah. people get the concept of balloons. Oh, sure. For sure. Blimps, it just looks like a big ass balloon. Yeah. Well, what if instead it was actually an American secret weapon? Okay. Since Roswell at the time was known for its military base, it wouldn't be such a far stretch to think that what crashed on Foster Ranch was some sort of military secret weapon in the, its development stages. I believe that. This would, I also, believe explain, that. This would also explain why Mac Brazel of the military couldn't identify it as it was in high, uh, high levels of secrecy. Now, what there's obviously uh, a, a bunch of evidence against it. Um, what was secret in 1947 is no longer secret today. If it was some sort of new military weapon or craft, and it would have been either been put into production or sent to the scrap heap, either way, we would have, uh, there'd been no need for secrecy anymore, and we know what the hell it was. Even if it had been totally successful, it would be long since obsolete today as well. Yeah, in the same way that eventually the government was like, uh, Project Mogul. Like, would they just be like. a list as well of planes we know were being tested at the time that weren't public at the time. The Bell, uh, the Bell XS-1 rocket plane, which was be, uh, being developed by the famed X-1 Chuck Yeager when he became the first man to fly faster than the uh, speed of first sound. First off, if you are an 80s, 90s kid, you played Chuck Yeager, Yeager. Uh, airplane Sorry. sims religiously. I was a, I was if a you had a PC, that was one of the few games you could get. Chuck Yeager, man, that was the shit. I had I'd a go Genesis, over to a friend's man. house Air and we put on like... The whole gear, and we get in our little. Oh, like, your friend had that like a whole setup. Yeah, we get in our like uh, cockpit, wrinkly face on the title screen. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, we'd fly in play, like graphics that today would be comically bad. It looks like <laughs> Super Nintendo. We were just yeah. like, yeah, we're playing, <laughs> and it wasn't anything like you're in a dogfight or anything. It's literally just like, all right, and now you're gonna push the throttle forward, and uh, <laughs> it literally just looks like flying uh, airplanes with like. Yes, like, that's what it was. It was yeah. like, are you just a with like kid John Madden, Jimmy <laughs> Carter? That's what it is. Yeah, yeah. We thought it was the coolest shit. Well, it wasn't that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the other planes we were testing were the XB thirty five, the XB twenty six, the XF eighty six Saber, the D fifty five I Sky Streak. Um, all, all of, of these were being tested fairly like airplanes too, right? Yeah, they all look like airplanes and none of them were being flown around the New Mexico area, which then puts us, okay, well, what if it was a Soviet secret weapon, which we've kind of already talked about a little bit. Um, but if it was, it, it, does, it doesn't make very, it doesn't make much sense for an incredibly secret and restrictive project to test fly over enemy territory that deep down in the middle of the United thousand States. thousand miles inland, like over a military <laughs> base. Why would you ever do that? <laughs> this is just to get shot down, captured, and reverse engineered by us. And as Jesse said, too, you feel like you'd be like, all right, they're here. Like, why would you not tell everybody and be I, super pumped about it? It is crazy to think that this could remain a secret for so long and be such a mystery because the concept of everything we're talking about during this time period, all these planes, all these things, rockets in general, the space race was straight up. We and Russia took Nazi scientists and brought them back, recruited them to our yep. sides. And that is a known fact today. 
So the idea that we were like, hey, we know you were Nazis and you did some crazy stuff, but guess what? We need your rocket technology and you're the only people who know how to do it. So come on back. Join us. That's a known story. It's real. Everyone knows Operation Paperclip. Like, it's a real thing. To think that that is out in the open and this is not makes it seem like this is something way weirder. Yeah. I don't. It's it's and I want to know and I want to know. But. Gentlemen, that's where we have to leave Roswell. That's oh my it. God, that's back everything. To the mothership. That's it. Back to the Illuminati mothership. Uh, we don't walk away with an answer. You know, I personally, I, I'm curious what you all personally think. But for me, like I said at the top of the episode, I firmly stand in the. If it is aliens, I truly believe the government is as clueless as we are, with the exception of they might have a few, a little bit more video evidence or whatnot. And Roswell certainly wasn't a weather balloon, and it might have been aliens. It might have been Project Mogul. It might have been a couple of things, but I don't know if we'll ever know. I don't think there is I want enough. It to be aliens. Yeah, I don't. I don't think there's enough evidence to be like, here is what it is. Yeah, like no way specifically. But I do think that this. I keep coming back to Roswell, and I think, and I never talk shit on Roswell because I feel like it is clear to me, at the very least, that the reaction to what went down there was not like like reasonable for any of the explanations that the government has given over the years even project mogul like it's a russian it's a microphone to listen for nukes that you would deploy on your own soil like i just don't see it being like something that we need to fly to washington right away i don't need i don't see the need for it to be like uh furniture like i just yeah. don't, i just don't see any of that stuff it all going back to DC and that's a, there's, there's just parts of the story that just blow my but that's mind. That's also the weird part is if it is something of an out of this world nature, you wouldn't take it to the heart of the gut, like the government. No, you wouldn't do that. The if president like is not the first guy who gets to see like the alien no, bodies. Yeah. 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 There's no one yeah. in the Pentagon or whatever that needs like they would travel to the middle of nowhere base to look at it rather than be like, sure, bring the aliens here. That doesn't make any sense. either. Like, what if they had like a fucking virus? Like, you know what I mean? Exactly. Like, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, remember, if, if you're to believe the autopsy reports, the, the, the corpse smelled so bad that they, everybody was vomiting. So I'm saying, like, right, why would you like then pack that up and take it to <laughs> yeah, like no, the exactly. center? Yeah. Why would you bring that over to the to the government? It's yeah, weird. It doesn't man. make sense. It's weird, but with Roswell done and Skinwalker done, I feel like now for everybody who's kind of new to this world of like weird conspiracies and aliens and supernatural, oh you've got your starter package. Yeah. You're, you're like all you these years the later, you are inducted into the UFO like you're a UFO club. researcher now, too. Yeah. yeah we're all UFO sh- researchers. You can add that <laughs> to your lower third on yeah. any piece of media that you're on. I'm a exactly. UFO researcher. Tell them on the news. If you get interviewed for any reason on the news, tell them you're a UFO researcher. <laughs> yeah, there's like a crazy UFO killer near, near you in your neighborhood when they interview you and you're like, he seems so nice. Just have it say UFO researcher underneath. Yeah. Do you remember that freaking <laughs> clip of that guy who like realizes that he got caught for murder on like because he's being yes. interviewed by the news? Yes, I do. That is, I do inc- that is like that. one of the best. I Somebody's going to ask me for that on Reddit later. I'm sure that I'll, if you do, I will help you find it. But God, it's so <laughs> yeah. insane. That is a, a classic video. Uh, Man, don't gonna, you wish we could just like talk about stuff for like 15 more minutes or so? 
I kind of do. do you, is there a way we could do that? Well, you know what, Mathis? If you head over to ch- patreon.com slash chalubinati pod. Right for here. Shame. Right I now. I didn't even see that coming. We got another mini sode for you. Right now, we got some hot stuff. I got some good stuff. I did some, I've been doing research. Spoilers, the next episode, I'm going to do it. Uh, I have an idea for like a fun little anthology episode that I can do that's recurring. So I have some stories that like didn't make the cut, and I'm going to talk about one today. So get Hooray. on over there. I'm excited. Yeah, check it out. And like I said, too, $20 tier and above starting next month. You get an exclusive uh, little poster, digital art poster. You do what you want with it. Just if it's naughty stuff, don't ever tell us. What? That's all. Well, they're I paying. Know. They're I paying. Mean, hint at it, but don't say exactly what it is. And right. don't keep it any subtle. Picks. Keep it flirty. Keep it teasy. Yeah. What? I don't want to know. Keep it fresh. Keep it nice. Slurp it out. Yeah. You know huh? what I'm saying? Slurp it out. And maybe the Boston Bean Boy will bless you with his presence later on. We're going to go. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to tweet at us, you can find me at Mathis Games and or at the show, the show at Chaluminati Pod. I'm done chilling for you boys. Where can people find you? You just do it yourself. We'll start what? with the Jesse. What social media thing do you want to pimp at the end of this episode? Uh, I want to discuss, not pimp. I want to <laughs> send you all to uh, just, you know what? Go to youtube.com slash Jesse Cox. It's That's a good website. Great, great yeah, it's stuff. It's pretty neat. Yeah, it's a good yeah. website. I show up there a lot. It's a great place. Where, oh, where can people find you, Alex? Uh, you know what? I'm going to take this opportunity to show something that's coming back in a big way. If you like to listen to Jesse and I talk about things that we definitely read for sure. Head on over to the Star Wars New Canon Book Club podcast, which is back in production. And oh boy. Uh, is us, you know, going deep into the Star Wars canon, you know, reading some books, some comics, some, uh, you know, average TV, you know, all, all, the, all that, <laughs> all that good stuff. Yeah. Head on over there and you can uh, get mad at Star Wars and fall in love with Star Wars all over again with me and Davis. <laughs> If you ever want multiple episodes of Alex and Davis having the same conversation, if you want to see a man, if you want to see a man on an emotional roller coaster so fragile that any mention of like key scenes will send him right back to 2017, head over to the Star Wars New Canon Book Club. <laughs> and on that, thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with some more Arch Illuminati podcasts. I appreciate you. Let me take you on the Roswell journey, gentlemen Excellent. and listeners. Had a great time. We'll see you next time. Peace out. Bye. Anyway, me and my wife were sitting outside indulging on our porch one night, enjoying ourselves. I needed to go to the bathroom, so I stepped back inside, and after a few moments, I hear my wife go, Holy shit, get out here! So I quickly dash back outside, and she's looking up at the sky in awe. I look up too, and there's a perfect line of dozen lights traveling across the sky. 